Hey everybody, this is Chris Mata, host of a podcast, A Mata of Opinion. On this show, we will be celebrating the best time of the year, football season. Welcome, and stay tuned for today's episode. Episode 77, so welcome back, guys. I know I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I did take a long road trip out there to see the Monday night game, the Chiefs against the Eagles. Of course, the Chiefs did lose that game. The Eagles had an amazing comeback late in the fourth quarter. I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving, and I know everybody's preparing for the next set of holidays coming up. So again, I just wish the best for you and yours, but getting down into everything that we've seen to have missed, and of course, we'll start with the Cowboys and the Seahawks game. Now, when it came down to this game, I was expecting a war of attrition, maybe like a 10 to 17 kind of grudge match, but immediately this exploded. This became like an offensive shootout all the way. There was 19 penalties called on this game, so it was one of the most penalized games we've seen throughout the season, but even with that, we can say that it was at least... They threw the flags consistently. So the Seahawks had 10 penalties for 130 yards, and the Cowboys had 9 penalties for 127 yards. Now, coming down to the end of the game, it was the Seahawks attempting to come back, but I've watched enough Seahawks football to know that their two-minute drill is just consistently horrible. And I was not surprised at all when they were able to just run three plays and get knocked off the field. Of course, then watching the last play of the game, you had Michael Parsons coming unblocked. So they were interviewing Geno Smith in the postgame interview, and they asked him about, hey, was that something that you were planning for? Michael Parsons just breaking free. What happened there? And, you know, Geno said it was part of the game plan. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, you can just get rid of your offensive coordinator. He ain't worth a damn at that point. You're kidding, right? Like, you're just not going to block one of the best defensive players in the league right now. Not just in the division, not just in the the NFC, we're talking in the entirety of the NFL, you're going to decide, yeah, let's just not block him, whatever that was. But all in all, it came down to the very end. It was a grudge match. It was everything you would expect from a Thursday night football game. This is still considered a primetime game. Everybody decided to show up. Cowboys offense now has somebody to get a good measuring stick on. And as we're looking through this, Yes, the Seahawks did have a winning record finally coming in. That was the first winning team that the Cowboys have faced. So as far as the measuring sticks go, it is a little concerning that a team that can barely compete with the 49ers, and again, we're talking about the Seahawks, they got completely dismantled by the 49ers. They're able to come into town and hang 35 points on your defense. That is concerning now moving forward to where you will have to play the 49ers again. And so now on the offensive side of things, wow, they were able to get everything that they needed. And I know we're going to have to ignore a couple of the drives where they were kept alive by penalty after penalty, but still, they looked crisp. They were moving down the field. The run game, still a little bit of concern, especially when trying to run between the tackles. But, I mean, hey, get your wins however you need them. We had C.D. Lamb coming again on jet sweeps, and it worked out phenomenally. Ferguson, standing tall, their tight end is really delivering. So, again, the Cowboys, they have their measuring stick. Now they realize... This is a team that we can compete with. This is a team that competed with us, and it showed us our flaws as well, vice versa. Seahawks, they came out booming. The defense is definitely going to have to clean up a lot of the things that were going wrong there, but it is going to be fine for both teams moving forward. Now, I know the Seahawks are still trying to be in the hunt for the playoffs, and luckily their record still holds them there. Cowboys are, again, I don't think they have a shot at winning the division just simply because of how well the Eagles are playing. And again, it could come down to the very end where we're talking about things, but where the Cowboys stand right now in playoff 
positions and modes and everything else. Who they're going to be facing first round right now is the Falcons. So I don't think you can ask for anything better as far as a first-round matchup. And then just maybe, maybe somebody else gets to bump off the 49ers, the Eagles, and then you can go and face them. But I know me as a competitor and maybe the true Cowboys fans, they're saying, I want the 49ers back. Like, they finally want to get that monkey off their chest. They want to be able to, like, beat their chest and say, yes, we took out the best and we were ready for them this time. But that's something that we're going to have to look forward to down the road. Again, we're going to come down to crunch time in a lot of these divisions, and I'm really excited for this year's playoffs. But they will have to clean up this officiating, and they need to clean it up fast. That game could have been so horrific if they did not throw penalties on both sides for both sides. And at this point in time, I'm not confident in any group whatsoever as to call a fair playoff game or something that isn't just going to mean the refs are inserting their opinion on every single play. Let the players play. Let them have a great time. Let's get a true playoff game like that. But it's going to be a lot to ask for, especially going into it after we've seen the mess that's become everything that we're watching right now. And for our next topic, this has become one of the biggest things going around the league right now, especially on the talk show radios, different podcasts. Everybody has to ask, is Dak MVP material for this season? Now, I know there's going to be a lot of complaining a lot of skepticism. A lot of it's going to be coming from how many real teams have the Cowboys played? There's stat padding that happens here. And don't get me wrong. If you're playing, you can only play your schedule. It's not like you can go out and say, all right, I'm going to pick the top three teams and I'm going to go play them next week. It does. It just doesn't work like that. So I understand you got to play the schedule. And Dak has been doing exactly what you're supposed to do when you're playing chump teams. You're supposed to remind them, yeah, where the Dallas freaking Cowboys were moving on. But moving past that, the Cowboys are at 9-3. and three. Dak Prescott has 3,200 yards, 26 touchdowns with only six interceptions. So he's on pace for 4,000 yards and at least 35 touchdowns. But when it comes down to MVP talks, the most valuable player, the most valuable player on the team. So do you think the Cowboys could win without him? I think so. They pulled it off last year with Cooper Rush, who put four games together just waiting for him to get healthy. Do they play in an easy division? Yes, they do. Do they have an easy schedule? Yes, they do. Do they also have the largest margin of victory? Yes. But do they also have the number one scoring defense? Yes. So there are a lot of things that are working against Dak Prescott as far as being considered the most valuable on the team. No doubt does he have stellar numbers right now. No doubt is he bringing his best ball that we've seen from him in maybe three, four years now? Because I know he was having a stellar season, and then all of a sudden the ankle just snaps, and that's something that you can't help. So again, if he continues this, and especially with the gauntlet coming up, their next four games will tell us or solidify your thoughts about Dak Prescott. Because looking at the Cowboys' schedule, they will be playing the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Lions. The next four games will either solidify your thoughts already or continue to prove to the rest of the league that yes, Dak is going to be the true MVP candidate or he's going to fall to the middle of the pack again. And talking about all these MVP winners, I went back and I looked at the stats from the past 10 years about quarterback stats because I added the 11th year in there back in 2012. That was the last time a quarterback did not win MVP. In fact, it went to the running back, Adrian Peterson. That's when he eclipsed the 2,000-yard mark 
and the uh, Vikings went 10-6, and six and they lost in the wild card. But moving on to the quarterbacks, we'll go to the year 2022, just the previous season, and, of course, that was Patrick Mahomes with 5,250 yards, 41 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. He did add 358 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, and the team record was 14-3, and three, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. Dak Prescott right now, again, just a real cap of his, like, yards right now is 3,234 yards, 26 touchdowns, and six interceptions, 174 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. So again, um, nothing prolific like we saw with Cam Newton or Lamar Jackson, but that's not really what he's known for. But moving on to 2021, we had Aaron Rodgers with 4,115 yards, 37 touchdowns, and four interceptions. In 2020, it was Aaron Rodgers again, 4,000 yards, 200, oh, sorry, 4,299 yards, 48 touchdowns, and just five interceptions. I think that's a mark that should truly be marveled at because didn't even get close to 10 interceptions, and he threw 48 touchdowns. But in 2019, that's when we had Lamar Jackson with 3,127 yards, 36 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 1,206 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and nine fumbles. And again, so... Looking down this list, okay, so we had Aaron Rodgers going back-to-back. We had Lamar Jackson in 2019. We had Patrick Mahomes his first time in 2018. Tom Brady, 2017. Matt Ryan, 2016. Cam Newton in 2015. Aaron Rodgers again in 2014. And probably the best, the best MVP performance in 2013 by Peyton Manning with 5,477 yards, 55 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions with, uh, sadly, a Super Bowl loss. But, again, if we're looking at the averages of all of the quarterbacks, because I did the 10 years' worth of quarterbacks that we were looking at, they average 4,510 yards, 41 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 310 rushing yards, and 3.2 touchdowns rushing, with about 6.5 fumbles there. Now, as far as the team records go, because, of course, team records do feed into who the most valuable player is. You can't really be going, you know, 0-17 and then be considered the most valuable player. But the team records here, you have to have at least, at minimum, 12 wins and a maximum of four losses. We'll just round up here. So a minimum of 12 wins and a maximum of four losses. So Cowboys definitely fit this criteria. Dak Prescott can eclipse that 4,000-yard mark. He can get close to the 41-touchdown mark. And again, just because I'm only looking at a 10-year average here, there are quarterbacks that were throwing for 50 touchdowns, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, and there's one more in there. Nope, there was 48 with Aaron Rodgers. So they are skewing the data a little upwards. So if he lands around the 36, 35-touchdown mark, that will put him at the stat line as an MVP. Now, when it comes down to the team record, can the Cowboys pull that off? Absolutely. Looking at the Cowboys' record right now, they are sitting at 9-3. and three. So they would just need to win three more games, and they would be able to qualify on that mark too. So he would be on a winning team. He would be putting up winning stats. He would be putting up MVP caliber stats. And then finally moving in to the playoffs. So looking at all of these teams, it wasn't necessarily that the MVP had to win any kind of playoff game. They were just looking for a playoff appearance because in several of these instances, they lost divisional rounds. They've lost the wild card rounds. And heartbreaking moments here, there was 
four of them that lost in the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl losses belong to Tom Brady in 2017, Matt Ryan in 2016, Cam Newton in 2015, and then, unfortunately, Peyton Manning in 2013. The only one that managed to win the MVP and the Super Bowl in the past 10 years was Patrick Mahomes in 2022. So again, there doesn't necessarily need to be a playoff win. There just needs to be an appearance. And going down the checkmark list, Dak Prescott can do all of that. He really can. He can be your MVP candidate, but I'm afraid we've seen this before, and I'm I'm just going to stick with it. I mean, you can call me a hater, but we've seen Dak Prescott do this before. We've seen the Cowboys do this before. I was, I was around in the 2016 season. They put an 11-game win streak on the table, and ultimately it led to nothing. It was a 7-10 loss against the New York Giants. So, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a believer at all in the Cowboys when it comes to the playoffs. In fact, I often bet the house against them, and so far, so good. Everything's looking the exact same. Now, again, maybe people feel like this is a different Cowboys team. This is a higher caliber team, but I, I find it hard to believe that it's a better team that you had and I believe the 2021 season where Ezekiel Elliott was still a top runner, Amari Cooper was one of the deadliest threats, and your defense was the number one defense. So again, they were just so great, and it still amounted to nothing. They still lost to the 49ers. Like There are things that cannot change my mind about this team, and I know they switch coaches, and they've switched offensive coordinators, but again, I think it's just going to come down to the quarterback play, and as much respect as I give for Dak Prescott and his you know regular season debuts and how well he can perform in the regular season I'm just not sold for any kind of playoff performance from him yet and that that may be changed maybe you'll be able to come back to this and be able to point fingers and say you were dead wrong on him he was somebody that you know broke out of his you know eight-year slump and came back and won it all and you know what I hope I hope I'm wrong because as much as I criticize his play on the field, as a person off the field, everything that he's gone through, from the loss of his sibling to the loss of his mother to even being a Man of the Year winner, and that is not something to take lightly because there are so many players that take this opportunity for granted. They don't understand that this could be all gone in a heartbeat. There, It's not for long. The NFL is not that long. The impacts that they can make now, though, can last a lifetime, even inspire the next generation. So again... Hey, maybe, maybe this is the Cowboys year. Maybe, but I'm not sold. I'm not a believer on it. So when it comes down to the MVP, it's hard to look at any other category. You look at running backs. You look at wide receivers. There is nobody breaking out as a clear front runner. There's nobody that you're going to look at and say, wow, he's blowing everybody else out statistically. So rushing stats, we do have Christian McCaffrey, who's at 939 yards. No surprise there, 11 touchdowns. But then behind him is Raheem Mostert with 785 yards and 13 touchdowns. And then a little bit lower is Josh Jacobs with 771 yards and six touchdowns. So again, it's getting harder and harder to find these areas that people are just exploding into. There's nobody running away. And moving into the receiving stats, we have Keenan Allen, CeeDee Lamb, and Tyreek Hill. They've already eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark. Tyreek Hill's leading with 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. But right behind him is Stefan Diggs with 969 yards and eight touchdowns. And then there's Mike Evans, who has 850 yards and nine touchdowns. So, again, there's 
there are just marks where, okay, we understand there's somebody that's just walking away from a pack, the clear MVP. When Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown, it was so easy to see that, yeah, this guy is setting marks that people are really going to have to try and break for years to come. Right now, everybody's waiting for Tyreek Hill to break that 2,000-yard mark at wide receiver, and he's 700 yards away from it, and he still has, I don't know, how many games is week 13? So he's got, what, four more games to go ahead and break this record? So that is possible, absolutely possible. If he does that, they could probably hand it right to him and not to snub Dak Prescott or anything, but that is a mark that very few wide receivers have ever hit. And in fact, has anybody ever hit 2,000 yards receiving? The only wide receiver that had over 2,000 yards in a season is Cooper Cup, but that was including all the way into the Super Bowl run. So Tyreek Hill could possibly be the first wide receiver to do 2,000 yards in a regular season. So I am confident to say if he pulls that off, that's where the MVP is going to go. Now, my only other what-ifs, my only other what-ifs, the only other person I could bring into this conversation when it comes down to the most valuable player to their team, it's got to be C.J. Stroud. And I know it's easy to just pass it off and say, that's just the offensive rookie of the year. Well, why can't it be both? Because that has happened before in NFL history. It's only happened one other time. In fact, the only other person that won Offensive Rookie of the Year and the MVP in the same season was Jim Brown back in, what was that, 1957? Let's see, Jim Brown MVP. 1957, Jim Brown won the MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year. So that's my only... What if that's my only contradiction? That's my, like, okay, when it comes down to who truly is the most valuable to their team, it's hard to argue it's not C.J. Stroud when he's the one carrying that team. We've seen them cycle through quarterbacks for God knows how long now. Nothing. New head coaches there, new running back, new wide receiving core, and a rookie quarterback tearing it up. They are 6-5 and five in their division right now. They do have a winning record. They are third. They were just two games behind the Jaguars. And looking at the playoff picture, as of right now, they're on the bubble. The one that holds the tiebreaker is the Colts. So the Colts have the tiebreaker over the Texans. But if the Texans were to win a couple more games, they could sneak into the playoffs. Now, if they get a playoff win. Now, this is a big if, because if they go in, they were most likely going to be the seventh seed, and they'll probably have to face the Chiefs or probably even the Jaguars. Now, with that being said, if they enter into the playoffs, if they win a playoff game and they make it to the second round, I got C.J. Stroud all the way taking MVP. There's no way. There's no way they could overlook that monument. There's no other way you could argue that there is one other person more valuable to their team than C.J. Stroud right now. And again, that might be a lot of love going towards a rookie that we don't even know if they're going to be even you know, showing this kind of progression next season, or is this the ceiling that they're at? But if you watch this guy play, if you watch the game-winning drives that he leads down the field, he's fearless, he makes great decisions, and he has complete faith in his head coach, and his head coach, D'Amico Ryan, has faith in him. So, looking at that, again, if there was one other one other player that you would be able to point out, it would be C.J. Stroud. There's one more thing that I do want to bring to everybody's attention. I want everybody to take a moment here. 
And I want them to think about the best apology that they can formulate in their minds right now and just say sorry to Russell Wilson. Last season, they were clowning him. They were saying he was done. He was washed. They were just blaming him for everything. They even kept a graph about how many toilets he has in his house versus how many touchdowns he threw in that season. So last season, he finished with 3,524 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. He was sacked 55 times, and their ending record was 5-12. and 12. This Broncos team opened up horrifically, just absolutely abysmal. And then they said enough is enough. Their record right now is 6-5. and five. Russell Wilson has 2,199 yards, 20 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, and he's only been sacked 33 times. So the offensive line has stepped it up. Let's look at the Broncos' schedule because they've already beaten some of the best teams in the AFC. The Broncos are on a five-game win streak. They opened up this season 1-5. Then they played the Packers and beat them 19-17. Then they beat the Chiefs and beat them 24-9. They played the Bills and beat them 24-22. They beat the Vikings and beat them 21-20. They beat the Cleveland Browns 29-12. They have put up the best kind of defense they could muster. They have beaten the Bills. They have beaten the Chiefs. And those are the hardest teams on their schedule. The last opponent that is going to give them issues is going to be their next game with the Texans. Because I have seen C.J. Stroud. I've seen D'Amico Ryan. I've seen that Texan squad. And when momentum shifts, they do not give it back. But beyond there, the Broncos can sneak into the playoffs. They can hang with the best. The only game that I can see them wanting back the team that they want to play again in the playoffs, will be the Miami Dolphins. That was an embarrassment. That was something that we've never seen before. That kind of ass-whooping will be remembered forever. And that left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And we do have to talk about the changes that were made here. They they brought in this quarterback that everybody thought was washed, that nobody believed in anymore. They stuck with this wide-receiving core that was a little injured, that was a little slower to develop than most. They had a backfield that could not hold on to the ball to save their lives, so then they readdressed that issue. They bring in a couple of guys, one undrafted. They brought in Samaj P. Ryan, too. And then, on top of that, this defense was shutting people down last season. It was very, very open this year. They were allowing a lot of points. And then you got to wonder what more could they do, and then they started just cutting veteran players that they felt were bringing the team down. And again, I guarantee what was happening, they were the guys in the locker room that everybody was supposed to look up to, and they had their heads down saying, man, I can't I can't take this anymore. We're just a bunch of losers. Like, here it goes again. I don't want to do this. So you cut those guys, and you put the rookies in those starting positions and say, prove me right. Show me that you belong in this league, and you let them take over. And right now, five-game win streak, even, even if it ends, they can at least hold their head up knowing that they're moving in the right direction. Sean Payton has really got these guys turned around, moving in the right direction. And even if it doesn't happen this season, they are in playoff mode already for next season. Sean Payton might be coach of the year for this one. Might be coach of the year for this. And then as far as comeback player of the year, it's got to be Russell Wilson. Got to be Russell Wilson. I just, what a story to go from. I'm going to continue to root for them. I just really, really hope to see the Broncos make a late run, even even if they get knocked out first round, just so they can have some sort of 
you know, glory and confidence back. Like, I'm hoping the best. And uh, like a P.S. side note here, I guess before everybody tunes off, uh, my lovely dog Kona, you know, the one who uh, our expert <laughs> analyst here about who's got that dog in them, has officially turned one. So a very happy birthday to her. Uh, let's see if we can get her up here. Oh, oh yeah. Does Dak got that? Does Dak have that dog in him? Hmm? What do you think? I think it's unanimous. I do want to go over the playoff picture so far. So in the AFC, our number one seed would be the Ravens, who are sitting at a nine and three record. Number two would be the Chiefs at eight and three. Jaguars coming three, eight and three, and then the Dolphins at eight and three as well. So the division winners all sitting there, eight and three. At number five, we have the Steelers at seven and four. We have the Browns at seven and four as well. And then the last spot is currently held by the Colts at six and five. The teams that are still on the bubble, still in the hunt, are going to be the Texans, Broncos, and Bills. Texans are at six and five. Broncos are at six and five. And the Bengals are at five and six. Now moving over to the NFC side, the number one seed is held by the Eagles, who are at ten and one. Number two is the 49ers at 8-3. and three. The Lions are at 8-3. and three, And the Falcons at 5-6. and six. That is just how bad the South is doing right now. At number five, we do have the Cowboys at 9-3. and three, The Vikings at 6-6. Six and six, And the last spot is the Seahawks at 7 with a 6-6 six and six record. Now on the bubble is going to be the Packers, the Rams, and the Saints. All of them with a 5-6 and six record. The Packers are playing the Chiefs next. The Rams are playing the Browns next. And the Saints are playing the Lions next. So looking at that, the Seahawks might be getting a little more breathing room. And if that was the playoff picture that we're looking at, the 49ers would play the Seahawks and they would completely bully them. The Lions would be playing the Vikings. I see the Lions taking that all day. And then it would be the Falcons facing the Cowboys. And that would be an absolute slaughter. Moving over to the AFC side. That would mean the Chiefs would be playing the Colts, the Jaguars would be playing the Browns, and the Dolphins would be playing the Steelers. And again, a lot of these games would end up in slaughters, going back down to who wants it the most. For my predictions, just coming out of the gate here, I am looking at a Ravens Super Bowl appearance against the 49ers. That would be my best guess at the Super Bowl coming up. And again, I just think it's because the Ravens are due. Their defense has shaped up. Lamar Jackson has stayed healthy. I know there's a long way for the season to go. But again, there's just this excitement, this energy. the And the health of the players just has a lot to do with it. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm expecting. But that's just a motto of opinion. So thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to follow and share.